Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Wow, it is, it's our privilege and our honor to be your pastor. I know you guys want to thank us today, but thank you for putting up with... Uh, with sometimes vision that really challenges us, right? And uh, we just count it an honor and a privilege to be, to be your pastor. So you're thanking us, but we say thank you, okay? Well, it's been a minute since I've had the privilege of sharing the word, so I'm excited today to share God's word. Another good morning. And uh, I want to say greetings to anyone listening to this podcast later, but I also want to say for the first time in many, many months, welcome uh, to anyone watching our live stream that is back. All right. Uh, and I uh, hope you can visit us uh, in the house ASAP. Like I said, it's a privilege to share God's word with you today. And as usual, you can follow along the outline of this message through the Bible app or by grabbing a printed outline. There from the back, you know, we're entering into the final stretch of 2022, right? Can you believe it? Less than two months to go. Can anybody tell me what Matthew 4, 4 says? How about we say it all together? People. That's right. Como dice Mateo 4, 4. That's right. And this year, this year, our commitment has been to Este año nuestro compromiso ha sido Wow. It's been a great year. And like I said, we're entering the final stretch. Speaking of the one year Bible uh, that many of us have been reading through the one year Bible plan. We have, again, less than two months to go, so I want to encourage you not to give up. And if you are lagging behind, just catch up, okay? Don't give up reading every word of God in 2022. And uh, what I want to explain real quick is that to kind of round out 2022, transition and lead us into 2023, what I'm going to do the rest of my Sundays preaching, okay? You guys know I'm not the only preacher here at Encounter Church. We have a wonderful preaching team, right? But my remaining Sundays in 2022, I'm going to spend going back through the whole Bible teaching you how to pray. Anybody need to learn how to pray better? Who wants to learn how to pray better? We're going to start a series today that, again, my Sundays from now into January, we're going to learn seven ways to pray. Come on, say seven ways to pray. And uh, it, I'm going to teach you seven biblical prayer models or prayer tracks that I believe are going to be essential in helping us learning how to pray better. But just before I get to that, I want, I want to just mention this very quickly. 2022, we read through the one-year Bible, okay? 2023, maybe if you already have your Bible app open, you can go ahead and mark it and save it. Did you know that you can look up a plan and save it for later? Okay, so either jot this down or either jot it down in your mind and do it later, or you can do it right now. I want you to look up the Life Journal, okay? 
Life journal. You say, we're going to read through the Bible again in 2023? Uh, yes. And every year we read through the Word together, right? Next year, I want to encourage all of us together to read through the Life Journal. It is a lot like the one-year Bible, slightly different, but takes you also through the Bible in a year, and it's going to be awesome. So save Life Journal for January 1, 2023. All right, anybody excited about that? I'm glad a few people are. All right. (laughs) So, question for you this morning. Do you prefer cooking freestyle or with a recipe? Somebody said, I don't prefer cooking at all, right? I prefer to be cooked for. (laughs) Milo's meal prep is good for you. All right. (laughs) I don't know about you, but this afternoon I plan to go eat a burger and I'm not cooking it. All right. But again, do you prefer when you you cook, do you like to cook more freestyle or more like follow a recipe? Come on, if you're a freestyle cook, raise your hand. Wave at me. How about those that really like to follow the recipe? Okay, about half and half. See, I love cooking, and I've loved cooking since I was a kid because I, I grew up uh, with, you know, watching and cooking with my grandparents and my parents, and I learned to cook with them and from them. And um, I really am more of a freestyle cook, and most of the time, you know, it comes out good, except for that one time. Ooh. But most of the time it comes out good, you know, don't necessarily need to follow a recipe, just a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and you know how it's supposed to taste, right? And, you know, when we first got married, I made some beans. It was our first year of marriage, and it did, that did not work. I should have followed a recipe. But for the most part, freestyle cooking is my, my way to go. But I'll, I'll tell you this. I can cook pretty well freestyle now, but it's because when I was a lot younger, I did learn some recipes. Because I did learn some cooking basics, kind of some, some starters, right? And, you know, it's the same with prayer. It's the same with prayer. God wants us to live a lifestyle of prayer, you know, kind of freestyle, if you will. But it's important to first learn some basics, And I know for sure that I can cook all right because I knew a few basic recipes and I build on it from there. And I also have learned through the years that I've become pretty good at praying, but it's not because of freestyle praying. I can pray freestyle pretty well because I learned first some basics, some recipes, some models, some tracks to follow, right? Come on, how many of us know that a train is way better when it's on the tracks, right? (laughs) So 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says this. The uh, ESV says, pray without ceasing. The NLT says, never stop praying. I don't know about you, but that sounds like an awful lot of praying, right? And, and, And this is kind of a prayer lifestyle that we live our whole life in a conversation with God, right? That's what life is supposed to be, a relationship with God, a constant conversation with God, praying without ceasing, never stopping praying. But I have learned that if I'm going to live like that, I better have some good starting points, right? Have you ever found yourself like, I want to pray, but I don't even know how to get started? Yes? Well, these seven ways to pray are going to help you 
um, get started. I, lo- I don't know who said this, but I love it, okay? If you stay on your face, you can't fall. If you stay on your face, you can't fall. Question, does anybody want to serve Jesus long term? Like not for just a little while, but you want to serve him till the end, until you go and be with him in eternity? Well, let me tell you, one way to make sure you're going to serve him is to read your Bible every day. That's why we are all about every word, right? But another thing that, that will help you serve him in the long run, for the long haul, is to know how to pray like this, to pray without ceasing, to live a lifestyle of prayer. And I want to help us with these seven prayer tracks or seven prayer models. I call seven ways to pray. These will kind of be some like starter kits for us um, in our prayer lifestyle. Because in reality, I hope we all agree that the best place to learn to pray is probably the Bible, right? It's probably found in God's word. And one thing that we have to be careful with, and I've kind of heard this attitude a little bit, is I don't really like to follow any sort of track or model because that just limits my prayer life. No, prayer tracks aren't limiting. They're actually pretty liberating. Because what they do when we have a starting point, when we have a little recipe, at least a starter point of a recipe to follow, a track to get ourselves on, it helps us get started and then like, Stay going in the right direction. Or do all of y'all just, you know, you just kind of freestyle it and all is well and all is perfect and you always know how to pray exactly what you need to pray every time. I've been praying, I've been living a lifestyle of prayer now for over 20 years. And let me tell you, pretty much every day I still think of one of these prayer tracks to help me get going in the mornings, okay? So I'm gonna teach you seven ways to pray. Granted, these seven ways to pray will not encompass our entire prayer life, okay? Everything you're ever going to pray doesn't have to be according to one of these models. But what this will do is simply help you stay on track, okay? That's what prayer tracks are for. So, seven ways to pray. Ready? Number one, tabernacle prayer. Told you we're going to go back through the Bible. So we're going to go back all the way to near the beginning to start. Okay. We call this tabernacle prayer. Um, You know, Dr. Cho, maybe some of you are familiar with Dr. Cho. He happened to be uh, the founder and pastor of still to this day, I believe, the largest ever church ever in history Um, in Seoul, South Korea, had around a, a million members at one point. In one church. I mean, their building is, is like a city block. They have a whole mountain called Prayer Mountain. Where there's just hundreds and hundreds of people that are just praying all the time, okay? They literally brought like, um, God used them to bring a big revival to South Korea, which kind of spread around the world. And he taught a lot about tabernacle prayer in fact, Dr. Cho, if there's, if there's ever been somebody who taught about prayer really good, it was Dr. Cho, okay? And so, um, again, I mean, he didn't make this up. This comes straight out of the Bible, you're going to see. But just to honor him today, he's the one who really 
helped a lot of people learn about this. And uh, it's laid out, tabernacle prayer, this model, this track is laid out in Exodus 25 through 30. Exodus 40. It's also found in Leviticus and in some other places in the Old Testament, especially the first five books of the Bible. Anybody know what that's called? The what? The Pentateuch or Torah? Okay, very good. All right. This, uh, this is found mostly in the first, first five books of the Old Testament. And so what I want us to do, we don't do this very often, but we're going to do it today. To read the scripture, I want to ask everybody to stand on your feet. Okay? Now, it's quite a lot what we're going to read. So I'm not going to try for us to like read it out loud in unison because that would just become jumble, jumble, bumble, mumble. All right. But what I want us to do is just to honor God's word like this. We're going to all look at the screen and I'm going to read through it. We're going to read through it together. Starting with Exodus 25 verse 40 says, be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I've shown you here on the mountain, right? Now let's go to Exodus 40, and we're going to read several different passages from there. As we go, if I pause, you say the word, so that means you better be ready, all right? We're all following along on the screen or in your Bible. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Then the Lord said to Moses, set up the tabernacle on the first day of the new year. Place the Ark of the Covenant inside and install the inner curtain to enclose the ark within the most holy place. Then bring the table table and arrange the utensils on it and bring in the lampstand and set up the lamps. Very good. Place the gold incense altar in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Then hang the curtain at the... Where were they to hang the curtain? At the entrance of the tabernacle. Place the altar of burnt offering in front of the tabernacle entrance. Set the wash basin between the tabernacle and the altar and fill it with water. Then set up the courtyard and the outside of the tent and hang the curtain for the courtyard entrance. Moving forward, he took the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant and placed them inside the... Anybody know what was on the stone tablets? You guys remember what that was? The Ten Commandments, right? Okay, it was the covenant. Then he attached the carrying poles to the ark and set, uh, he set the ark's cover, the place of atonement. The what? The place of atonement, also called the... Anybody know? Mercy seat. Very good. On top of it. Then he brought the Ark of the Covenant into the tabernacle and hung the inner curtain to shield it from view, just as the Lord had commanded him. Now we're going to go to verse uh, 30, I believe. Yeah. Next, Moses placed the... Uh Uh-oh. Verse 22, sorry. Yeah. There we go. Next, Moses placed the table, very good, in the tabernacle along the north side of the holy place, just outside of the inner curtain. And he arranged the bread of the presence on the table before the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded him. He set the lampstand in the tabernacle across from the table in the south side of the holy place. He lit the lamps in the Lord's presence, just as the Lord had commanded him. He lit the lamps where? In the Lord's what? 
Oh, in his presence. He also played the gold incense altar in the tabernacle, the holy place in front of the inner curtain. On it, he, on it, he burned fragrant incense just as the Lord had commanded him. Next, he placed the wash basin between the tabernacle and the altar. Almost done, guys. He filled it with water so the priests could wash themselves. Moses and Aaron and Aaron's sons used water from it to wash their hands and feet. Whenever they approached the altar... And entered the tabernacle. They washed themselves just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he hung the curtains forming the uh, courtyard around the tabernacle and the altar. And he set up the curtain at the, where? The entrance of the courtyard. So at last, Moses finished the work. You can be seated. All right. Come on. Is anybody thankful for the word of God? That we have a written, a written record of what came out of God's mouth, Right. This is his word. Now, as I talk about the next uh, couple of things here, I want to ask if our media team could just slap that image there of the tabernacle on the screen. This is obviously the tabernacle was completely covered, but if you lifted up the, the, the cover, this is kind of what you would see going on in there. Now, the, t- the purpose of the tabernacle, just a second. Does anybody know what they also called the tabernacle? The tent of meeting that's right the tent of meeting the purpose of the tabernacle was presence the purpose of the tabernacle was presence literally the 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 picture uh, what the tabernacle was is literally they believed it was the place where heaven and earth met right Obviously, no tabernacle, no temple can contain God's presence. He's higher than the highest heavens, right? Space, time can't even contain him. But he decided to meet with his people in this place called the tent of meeting or the tabernacle. Okay? So the purpose of the tabernacle was was presence. It was a place to meet with God. And listen, church. The purpose of prayer is presence. The purpose of prayer as Christians, as the people of God, the purpose of prayer in our life is presence, is to have a place to meet with God. And remember... That the Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament, it says this in Hebrews and in Revelation and in other places. The purpose of so many things we see in the Old Testament, especially the tabernacle, is simply to be like a a, a reflection or a shadow of what? The real one that's where? In heaven. Are we together? You guys all right? Sorry. What we see going on in the Old Testament is really a reflection or a shadow of the real deal in heaven. So it's pretty important to have a good understanding and a proper discernment of things like the tabernacle. Come on, let let me say that again. If the Old Testament tabernacle shows us the real one in heaven, might it be important for us to have a pretty good understanding of it? And a proper discernment 
of its implication in our lives now. So there's no way to teach this in depth in the next 15 or 20 minutes. <laughs> it's very multifaceted and very, very deep, okay? So I'm going to take the next 15, 20 minutes and just give you a simple outline that will help us pray, right? Because this is all about helping us pray. And our assignment, personally, as we go home this week, is to practice this, to dig deeper into this as we pray, okay? I'm going to give you the outline. You dig deeper in it. And you know, one thing we're going to do starting today, okay, starting today is that every single evening from 7 to 9, okay, starting today, this whole next week, Every single evening from 7 to 9, the sanctuary is going to be open if you'd like to just come and pray, okay? Not a prayer meeting. There won't be a prayer leader. There won't be a worship band. There won't be any of that. The sanctuary will be open. There'll be enough light on so that you don't trip over yourself. We'll have some soft soaking music. If you'd like to just come and practice tabernacle prayer this week here in the sanctuary, okay? So... That being said, who's ready to learn about tabernacle prayer? Remember that the tabernacle is a picture of prayer. The tabernacle is a picture of how we are to approach God. Yes? Are we ready? Number one, the gate. The gate, or the entrance, it says in the NLT, represents thanksgiving and praise. Start with praise. I would encourage you to start every day with praise. One thing I make it a point to do is that before I get out of bed and my feet touch the ground, I make myself smile. Sometimes I feel like it and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I wake up energized and ready to praise the Lord. Sometimes I need to pick my sorry self up out of the bed and make myself praise the Lord. But start with praise, even when you don't feel like it, because he's worthy of our praise all the time. Come on, I want you to turn to somebody. I want you to turn to somebody and say, serve the Lord with gladness, not sadness. Psalm, <laughs> Psalm 104 says to enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So start with praise when you approach the Lord. No matter how you feel, get your praise up and get your praise on. Gladness, not sadness. Number two, after the gate or the entrance came the altar of burnt offering, also called the brazen altar, okay? This was the first item inside the outer court, okay? Number two, the altar of burnt offering. And this represents the cross of Jesus and its benefits, okay? The altar of burnt offering was for the shedding of blood. In the Old Testament, for the shedding of blood without which there is no 
forgiveness, right? Because the wages of sin, the consequence of sin is, is death. And so the, the, the brazen altar, the altar of burnt offering was for the shedding of blood where that offering for our uh, forgiveness was to, to be burnt, okay? And this altar represents the cross. It was the place where Jesus was sacrificed, where his blood was shed and where now we have all the benefits of what he did for us. The altar of burnt offering represents the whipping post, the crown of thorns, the crucifixion, the nails in his hands and his feet, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, right? This is represent, representative of the cross of Jesus and all that it means and it does for us. Has anybody been benefited by the cross of Jesus? Anybody been washed in the blood of Jesus? It's so important to look at the cross every day. Listen, even if it's just for 30 seconds or a minute, to turn our attention back in prayer and in worship to the cross, to the place where Jesus gave his life for us and thank him again and again and again for his love and for his grace poured out for us there. We need to come to the altar of burnt offering, come to the cross on a daily basis. There you will once again see his sacrifice of love. There you will once again remember why now you're living in grace. It's because of the sacrifice. It's because of the cross. Then the second item inside the outer court, which is number three, was the wash basin or the laver, which represents our sanctification. The, the wash basin or, or, or the laver was like a small pool filled with water. And first of all, it served as a mirror. So the priests would come in and they would see themselves in the laver, in the water, right? Like a mirror. And then thankfully, there was water in it <laughs> to wash, Right? to wash and this represents our daily sanctification our daily coming to the lord his word which is our mirror right that shows us what we look like but also shows us the image of christ right and as we look into the mirror of the word of god the bible says we get transformed more and more, and more, and more. Does anybody remember from glory to glory, we're transformed into his image, but it's as we look into the image of Christ, the labor, the wash basin, we are washed by his word. We are washed by his Holy Spirit in our life as we look in to the reflection that we see in his word. Why daily Bible reading? Because daily look at yourself in the mirror. Amen. And daily let that thing brush your hair. Let that thing wash your face. 
Let that thing show you the kale stuck between your teeth from yesterday. Well, hopefully you brushed it off last night, but you know what I'm saying. Come on, say sanctification. Because as we live in the world, we live in a dirty world. I don't know about you, but all all of a sudden I find myself like, ooh, I got a little bit of dust on me from the world. And I I might need to shake it off and, and wash it off, right? Or do all of you always work in, uh, walk in absolute perfect holiness? I need a little bit of washing here and there. How about you? Thank God for the wash basin. Thank God for daily sanctification. God doesn't, we, we become completely righteous in his sight because of the blood of Jesus. But it's as we walk with him and see ourselves in the mirror of his word on a daily basis that we actually become like him. Okay, sanctification. And that leads us to the next one that obviously these go hand in hand in our prayer life. That number four would be the lampstand, right? Now, I taught you guys about about this uh, a couple of months ago, so I'm not going to take a lot of time on it. But we know that the lampstand in the tabernacle represents the Holy Spirit in our lives. Anybody know the... What this is called? The menorah, right? Then came the menorah, and it represents, remember, if you were here with us a couple of months ago, it represents the seven attributes of the Holy Spirit in our life. Remember, he's the Spirit of the Lord who is our, uh uh-oh, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, there we go. He represents the Spirit of freedom. He's our freedom. His presence in our life is our freedom. Is anybody, you know, it's one thing to get free. It's another thing to stay free. Come on. I need the Holy Spirit in my life to stay free. He's the spirit of freedom. He's the spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. You can leave that up here, buddy. Thank you. The, the lampstand, this light, represents the Holy Spirit's presence within us. Because where's the tabernacle now, y'all? We are walking tents of meeting. And his light, the Holy Spirit in us is a light. He's called the spirit of truth, right? He leads us to all truth. He's that light that leads us into the truth. It's his presence that drives the darkness out of us. We don't get free from darkness because we become light. We get free from darkness because we have a light in us. And that is the Holy Spirit. We can't make it without the Holy Spirit in our life. Could you even just tell him right now, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you on the inside. It's his anointing. 
that teaches us all things the Bible says. His fire comes upon us to empower us as well. The lampstand represents our communion with the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in other tongues, right? Letting the Holy Spirit pray through us. You say on a daily, on a daily basis. I pray in tongues at least as much or more than I pray in English. Okay? Because the Bible says when, the Holy, when we pray in other tongues, it's the Holy Spirit who prays through us. And of course, the more light, the more sanctification too, right? So we have the wash basin, the mirror, the word, and then we also have the light that also sanctifies us, which leads us to number five. We're back to the word, but in a different way. Do you see? It's presence, spirit, word, more word, spirit, more word, right? The fifth was the table of the bread of the presence, the bread of the presence, which represents God's word. And a better way to say this is God's living word. It's his bread. It's the living bread. Who is the bread of life or the living bread that came from heaven? It's Jesus, right? So what this represents is that we need a daily rhema. Can you say rhema? If you don't know what rhema is, it's the biblical word for not just the word of God that's written down or the word of God we can understand with our mind, but it's that word we keep reading in Matthew 4, 4, we shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that does what? That comes from God's mouth. What is he speaking today? Come on, don't we know God didn't just speak back then, he's speaking today, right now. And Jesus said, my sheep will what? Hear my voice. We need his word to come alive in us every day. Come on, say rhema. And the table of the bread of the presence, or also called the table of the showbread, represents our daily word from God. Now, we've got to read the logos to get the rhema, right? We've got to read the written word, the graphy, right? To get the logos, to understand it. Some of you are like, the what? Okay. We've got to read the written word, right? Yeah. Yes? Yeah. The Bible? Yeah. How often? Yeah. Every day would be a good idea. Okay. Then we understand what we read in the Bible. That's called logos or knowledge, right? But it's more than that. When we actually hear the voice of Jesus speaking his living word to our heart, that's a rhema. That's the bread that we need to stay alive. We don't live by only natural bread. We live by rhema. We live by a living word from God to our soul, to our spirit every day. Amen? Then that leads us to the sixth thing in the tabernacle, which would have been the incense altar, which was a golden altar, Right? <laughs> this is very simple the incense altar represents worship moving closer now 
closer now into the inner court, closer and closer to God. We've come from the gate, from the entrance, through the outer court. Now we're moving closer and closer into the presence of God where we'll find the incense altar. And it represents our worship in spirit and in truth. And, and I just say very simply, this represents a daily time of, 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 of singing and thanking. You say, I don't sing. Well, say, okay? Speak your words or sing your words of worship. And, and, and one thing that this really represents is, you know, what does incense do? Incense, that it, it, it goes up and it, it like diffuses, it goes out, it permeates, it fills the room. If you've ever been in a room where there's incense burning, it's inescapable. <laughs> It'll get all over you, actually, right? And that is how our worship is supposed to be. Incense, if there's one thing about incense that's true, is it's that it's free. Once it's lit and going, it's going to go all over the place and it can't be contained. And that ought to be our worship. We ought to allow, listen we ought to allow and even command our spirit every day to get set free in worship. To just let it flow. To just allow your worship to flow freely from your heart to God. Praying, singing in the spirit and in understanding. Just as the incense arises and fills a room, our worship should just come out free. And fill our atmosphere. Amen? Amen? And then finally, and if we get here, oh, it is so very powerful. The most intimate, close place inside the most holy place or the holy of holies came the ark. The ark of the covenant or the ark where the covenant was. Okay, this represents intercession. What do I mean by that? Well, it's only in the place of intimacy, of being up close with God, that we can really remind him of his covenant. Remind him of the promises we see in his word. And in that place of intimacy is where we can cry out for our family, for our children, for our church, for our nation. Come on, our nation needs some intercessors right now. It's in the place. Now, I want you to get this. Just bear with me just another second, okay? It's only in the up-close place of intimacy with God that you can really feel that freedom to cry out, right? To cry out for souls, for lost people, for disciples, to cry out to God for his spirit, for revival to come. It's in the place of intimacy there's some, a lot of times we don't understand this. This is actually the place of spiritual warfare. You know, I think we may look at spiritual warfare as something we kind of do on the outside. No. There is no better place. Let, let me just say it like this. There's no better perspective to fight than being up close with God. Because then you see things for how they really are. 
There's no safer place to fight than in that intimate spot with God. Because in there, can't nobody get you. The safest place for spiritual warfare, for intercession, to cry out not only for yourself, but for others, is that place where you're up close and intimate with him. Where the Ark of the Covenant is, because it's his covenant, it's his promises that we can actually stand on and cry out back to him in intercession. Now, the gate or the entrance is our thanksgiving and praise. The altar of burnt offering, look to the cross daily. The wash basin is our sanctification. The lampstand is the Holy Spirit's presence in our life. The table of the bread of the presence is God's living word. Incense altar is our freedom and worship. And finally, the Ark of the Covenant, our place of intercession. Do you have to go in that exact order? No. It's good to try it a few times like that and see how cool it is. But this is one way to pray. I identify seven throughout the Bible, seven different tracks or models. There's probably more than that. But I plan on teaching you seven, and this week I want us to practice this one, tabernacle prayer. And just before we end today, so important. See, we've already come into this place today together through the gates of thanksgiving and praise, right? We did that. We've worshiped, we've prayed, we've been in close contact with the Holy Spirit, being filled with his spirit and his presence. We've looked into his word, the mirror. I sure hope we got some bread today. I hope you got some hot, fresh bread, a living word, a word you can grab a hold of, a rhema off the bread off that table of the bread today that you can eat can sustain you today and this week. We've been cleansed by his presence and by his word. I believe we've been, even some things may have been revived in us today by his word. Maybe your passion for prayer had been waning, and today it's coming back to life. But I do want to make sure of one thing before we move on, and that is that everyone has come to the altar of burnt offering. Have you come to the cross of Jesus Christ? Have you placed your faith in his sacrifice in his death that he paid the price for your sins so that you don't have to suffer the consequence of eternal death. 
before you can really enjoy a relationship and a lifestyle of prayer with God, you've got to first take the first step of relationship with God. Come to the cross. Put your faith in his sacrifice for you. Just for the next 60 seconds, I want to ask if everyone could bow your head, close your eyes, no one going in and out or getting up and down. This may very well be a very important moment and day for some people here. Have you been washed by the blood of Jesus? Have you come to grips with the fact that you're far from God because of your sins? And have you repented? Have you turned away from sin? Come on, I'm not just talking about, I know I'm a sinner, forgive me, God. No, have you turned away from sin and turned your heart to God? Have you believed with your whole heart that Jesus paid the price for your sin? Have you put your faith in Him, in His sacrifice, in His love, in His grace? Have you been washed? Are you sure today that you're saved? Do you have the assurance that if today was your last day on earth, if you closed your eyes tonight and never opened them again on this earth, if all of a sudden you found yourself standing before God in eternity, have you been forgiven? Have you been redeemed? Have you received eternal life through the cross of Jesus Christ? That's the first place you've got to come if you want to know God, if you want to walk with Him. So just very quickly, in this room, watching live stream, listening to this podcast, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never put your faith in Christ, if you've never been born again, or if at some point you say, yes, some point in my life I gave my life to Jesus, but today I'm far from Him, and I need to repent, and I need to come back to Him. If that's you, and today you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, would you just really quickly lift up your hand so I can see who you are? Okay, who else says, that's me? Rather, it's the first time. Praise God for those making this decision today. Anybody else say, that's me? Be it the first time, or maybe you've been backslidden, and you know you need to come home to Him today. Is that anybody else okay? All right. If you put your hand up, you can put it down. Thank you. Anybody else say, that's me? All right. We got a few today. Praise the Lord. Maybe you're listening or watching. If that's you, listen, there's nothing magical I can say and you can repeat it. This has to come from the conviction and the decision of your heart today. So I want to just ask, from your heart and with your own words, listen, I'm going to pray a prayer, but you need to say it with your own words. Yes, you can use my words, 
but I want you to say it from your heart today. Maybe we could actually all say this together because the Bible says that we don't just believe in our heart, but we confess with our mouth. We've got to confess with our mouth what we believe today. So why don't we just all say this together? And if this is for you, just say it with your whole heart to the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you today to the cross. I confess to you I've gone my own way. I've lived as a sinner. But today, I make a conscious decision to turn away from sin. I turn away from my old life. And I turn my heart to you, Jesus. I believe. You gave your life. You carried my sin. You paid the price on the cross. You died in my place. You rose from the dead. You ascended back to God to give me eternal life. Jesus, I trust you. I surrender to you. I want to follow you. Come on, this is very important, this part. Help me, Holy Spirit. Come on, ask him, Holy Spirit, come live in me so I can follow Jesus. Surrender my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Just one second. Listen, before we finalize the service today, if you raised your hand, prayed that prayer, or if you didn't raise your hand, or you prayed your own prayer, or if you're listening or watching, listen, if today you made a decision to follow Jesus, whether it was the first time, or you came back to him, or simply you need to know more about this, I want to ask you, that number's on the screen, it's also on the magnet behind the chair, if you would just text the word Jesus to that number, we're going to send you a video explaining what it means to follow Jesus and what your next steps are, okay? So I encourage you to do that even right now, definitely before you go. And with that, I want to invite the worship team to come on up and everybody else you can stand to your feet. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.